hi there. So a couple of years ago, I had a client who used to keep coming and every time it was the same relationship type that she chose, which is what I call the rescue puppies. So she'd keep picking people who she wanted to take care of. And she was like, if only I could motivate him or if only I could fix this about him. Um, there's a lot of issues, obviously, with that. One is you're choosing someone and making, they might not want to change. So it's a very conditional type of love. And it's not, it's not healthy on a lot of levels, but let's start with the obvious. It's very conditional. You're basically saying to someone, you're broken and I want to fix you, which seems like love, but really it's actually uh, like a rejection of who they really are right now. Usually I see this pattern when they've had a parent who's an alcoholic or a mental illness or something with a parent and there's a child they couldn't help the parent and they went into rescue mode trying to fix the parent or trying to protect in my case trying to protect a sibling from a violent parent um, or just um, my mum also has severe mental illness but she also functions in society like she can keep up appearances and she had no idea that everyone saw through it um, and she thought she was keeping up appearances quite well. Thank God, uh, when I was in my 20s, family friends all started to sort of validate that they saw what I was going through. Not that they did anything, but because I've grown up with that experience of trying to help and protect other and, and trying to have to be and kind of being pushed into having to be the, the caretaker of the other sibling as a tiny child. Uh, you do end up in that rescuer role until you break the pattern. So we'll call this client Holly. So Holly just kept doing this. And by the way, if you're mothering a man, it's going to take out all of the sexual energy of the relationship because you're treating him like a child. You're treating him like he's broken. It seems like love, but you're mothering him. So it's emasculating. Uh, and then usually um, uh, in in her in her case, not in all of them, in her case, these men all had a mum issue, all had rage towards their mother. So as soon as she went into the mother role, they then had all this rage that came out. Um, you do, I do see a lot of people who self-destruct. Underneath it is a lot of anger and rage. So she was triggering rage and so she was going but I'm trying to help them and I love them so much and I'm trying to fix their lives and I'm paying all their bills and you know doing all of these things for them to get love why are they so angry all the time um, because you're not letting them sort their own stuff out and a lot of the time people who play the victim don't actually want solutions they're playing the victim to get love it's this crazy pattern where a rescuer goes hey uh, victim, I'll fix you, and the victim goes, "No, but if I, if I have played the, if I play the victim to get love, and you fix the problem, I have to create a new problem to get love. It's super unhealthy, on a lot of levels. Uh, but we tend to find people to work through our stuff, and then we work through it, and then we learn, or we don't learn, and we we break up, and then we pick the same pattern, or we learn. Pattern is repeated until it's learned. Isn't that what they say, Louise? Hey." So 
how I got Holly to break this pattern was I told her basically you can fix them or fuck them, but pick one because when you meet a guy, if you want to fix him, be friends with him, help him, do not date him. If you meet a guy who you want to fuck, fine, but don't try and fix him because it's going to change the chemistry, the dynamic between you. It's a very passive aggressive thing to do. Uh, Now, by the way, supporting someone and taking care of a partner is very different than treating them like they're broken and they need fixing. Because treating someone like they're broken and they need fixing really is, what's that? There's an expression, pity is contempt. It really is treating them like you don't respect them. Uh, And this was brought home. I was in my 20s and I happened to be making a lot more money than one of my friends who was older and going through a divorce. And so all of us, we'd invite her to things and we'd always pay. But after a few years, she had a good job and she was back on her feet. And she said to me, I noticed that everyone still pays and I know they do it because they feel sorry for me, but they're still assuming that I can't afford to. She said, I know it comes from kindness. I absolutely know it comes from kindness, but it also makes me feel really helpless and really like I can't take care of myself. And she, and she said to me, from now on, every single time we go out, from now on, I'm going to pay. I'm going to be the one who pays. And and so I was like, fantastic. <laughs> this is great. But also, you know, we'd always said to her, you're the sort of person who will pay it forward. You know, you, you gave a lot to people when you before I met her you were very generous with people from what I've heard and now you need a little bit of help so I know that when you're in a bit of place you'll pay it forward and that's usually what you say but for her it felt like there was out of balance however I digress back to the whole fix them or fuck them so fix them if you meet a person and you're going oh my god I need to fix them one Do they actually want to be fixed? Because this is the difference between a rescuer and a coach. So a coach will say, hey, um, what do you want to achieve? You know, how is this working for you? Is it working for you because you get love? Or is it not working for you because you end up in destructive relationships? Or is, you know, is it working for you? Because it might be. So the person you're trying to fix might be perfectly content with their life and they may not see themselves as broken. Uh, Certainly if someone's playing the victim as a strategy, like a manipulation strategy, and they do, then they will not want to change because it's working for them and they will throw out this hook all the time, the victim, the victim, the victim, and wait till the rescuer takes the bait. And then they'll go, oh, okay. A lot of the time the manipulative victim, that particular personality uh, trait, uh, I wanted to call it a personality defect, but it's it's a it's a pattern, it's a behaviour, and they do it because it works. The same as adults who throw tantrums. They've obviously learned at some point that throwing tantrums works with their family or with the people who they grew up around. It used to work, and then they do this behaviour in in their day job or with a new relationship, and everyone just goes, "Nah, not okay." Uh, again, with that. That English guy and that Vanderpump show, Vanderpump Rules, he, when you saw his parents and his mother, she'd be this venomous person and throwing tantrums and she was really proud of the tantrums and proud of being nasty. And a lot of the time, people who are using 
strategies to get what they want, which are unhealthy, like abuse or tantrums or aggression or anger or rage, all of that, they're doing it because it's worked or they're doing it because they've seen their parents do it. They haven't had healthy behavior patterns modeled for them. So they don't know what to do. So the minute they're triggered, they go into their primal brain and they just behave because they're, they, they're triggered and then they go into what they've learned. Like they've done it over and over again. They've seen it over and over again. Monkey see, monkey do. So the how do we break this? So for Holly, seeing that why she wanted to fix them and so getting her to break it all down and getting her to have conversations. And she realised that, you know, after she'd been with one guy for two years and at the end of the two years he was worse because she was actually, by playing the rescuer, she was actually enabling him, not helping him. She was giving him love for being helpless and also if he wasn't a victim anymore, she would pull away the love. So, you know, they were both playing a, a game that there's no winners in that game. But I just said, find a man. And look, also I got her to look at why she wasn't picking the sort of men that didn't need rescuing. And a lot of it, from the rescuer point of view, a lot of it is that you've, when you've grown up with a damaged parent, mental illness, addiction, whatever, a lot of the time you try and get love the pattern then you see in an adult is trying to be the rescuer fixer to get love if I do all these things if I take care of you then I'll get love because we make this crazy assumption as a child that the parent doesn't give us love because they're drunk or they're and so then we don't we we just go off and uh, we go off through life often with a, an incorrect assumption that we have to do, be a good girl or do things to get love, uh, certainly with manipulative parents or emotionally uh, controlling abusive parents. They'll, when they're abusive, they'll blame you. You're a bad girl. You know, like my mother would cancel Christmas for everyone and then she'd blame us. Well, you were terrible children and we'd think, what did we do, right? So <laughs> so then you try and be the perfect person. You try and be, but the abuser doesn't want the perfect person. The abuser wants to uh, gaslight. The abuser wants to play games. The abuser wants drama, so they create it. Um, but I noticed that I had, was doing the same pattern when I was trying to play rescuer for a man that was healthy. He pushed back. He was like, no, please let me take care of you or please let me do something for you, or it's okay, you don't have to fix it for me. So it's really interesting when a rescuer finally does meet someone who's got healthy boundaries and who doesn't play the victim, that they will just help you learn healthy boundaries. And he saw it. So when I first, the first person I was with who actually had grown up just soaked in love, he changed the way he did things with me and he'd call me out on my patterns, but he did it in a really loving way. So he'd say to me, I'm going to do this for you. And I'd say, you don't understand this is new or I'm struggling because I do. I can tell. I can tell that this is new for you. Or he'd do something for me. And I remember he threw a birthday party for me. And I said, you don't understand. No one's ever thrown me a party. And he said, oh, don't be stupid. Of course, when you're a child. And he went, oh, you're not kidding. No one's ever thrown you a birthday party. And I went, yeah. <laughs> and he went, oh. I forget, I forget just how toxic your childhood 
was and and then it was just like so he'd do things for me but it it broke the pattern it is possible to break the pattern it is possible to break the cycle but it actually takes working through when something triggers you and it takes questioning the behavior that we often have done so long that it's become automatic so the fix them or fuck them thing was good because it was a pattern interrupt it was funny every time she thought it every time she caught herself she'd she'd laugh at herself and that helped her see like oh my god you know what am I doing uh, that she was going to repeat this pattern it also helped her see that that type of love wasn't good for either of them helped her see that she wasn't actually giving him love so it's important to break it and the other thing with rescuers so many times I just wish I could say to them why don't you give yourself all this love you're trying to give away the person who needs all of this love and support and everything is you now you obviously haven't had it which is why you try and give all this love and kindness to other people but one start with yourself start fixing your own life but two reach out to people and ask for help because that's the other thing that rescuers don't do they never ask for help from anyone they end up when i use the analogy of the battery and the lighthouse i say to people you come across like you're like this battery you try and charge yourself up with adrenaline and then you off you go you're trying to take care of everyone and trying to fix everyone and you you're running around here and there trying to take care of everyone uh, one it can create dependency so you can have let's say if you take care of your sister and then you're over here taking care of a neighbor then your sister falls apart because she hasn't learned how to take care of herself but also then at the end of the day you're a flat battery that's completely drained and everyone's just taken from you and if you're in give out of balance you're going to attract take out of balance versus the opposite of this i use the uh, symbology of a lighthouse so a lighthouse is a lighthouse just stands there it just shines out light awareness advice um, it just shines out protection a lighthouse just stands there with non-attachment it's like there's the rocks you can see them if you crash on the rocks well hey i warned you there's the rocks right so a lighthouse just sends out light and love and doesn't get caught up in everyone else's dramas but it gives people the advice but if they don't take it and they crash eh. or if they don't take if they crash therefore something good might come they might learn from it they might grow they might learn to solve their own problems but you don't try and control every step of their journey because I have learned the hard way that when you fix something for if someone keeps having the same issue over and over and over again and you fix it for them eventually they'll have to learn it for themselves uh, now you can this is different if you're a parent obviously you have to protect a child this is different with animals but I'm talking with people and patterns that are just like over and over and over again and you keep trying to fix it for them eventually they have to fix it for themselves this is the same advice to a, in a different way that they give to family members of addicts my mother had to have even though she was a society person and keeping up appearances everything looked fine she, at home she was like dosed up on valiums catatonic so she was either shut down or screaming with rage at home but in public super fake 
So she had to have that moment for her where she was such a mess, where the drugs were controlling, where the medication was controlling her life. And I remember being about eight years old and one day she just flushed them all down the toilet, which isn't ideal, but that was her way of getting rid of them. She just went cold turkey and then started to uh, go to go to psychiatry and go to and and the breaking point for her was a um something happened she put someone else's life in danger and she was put in a mental institution and you know the whole being paranoid that everyone would find out being paranoid that everyone so for her that was her breaking point people uncovering the truth about her was what made her change and people starting to see and people starting finding out that people could see it that was her breaking point. But for some addicts, they don't care. So um, it's it's still, people knowing the truth about her is still such a trigger for my mother that she will still, um, oh God, 20, 30 years later, still rage at me. Don't you dare tell anyone I was in a psychiatric institute. Don't you dare tell anyone this. Don't you dare tell anyone that. Uh, which is astounding to me because it could have been such a big lesson for her about overcoming and breaking open because I think that that whole being fake and keeping up appearances pressure that she put on herself contributed massively to her mental health issues. I think that feeling like you can't be yourself and be loved for who you are was a huge part of the problem. And rescuers really relate to that because when you've got a parent who constantly tells you you're not lovable, you're not good enough, you have to do things to get love, it's the same pattern. You can see where it comes from. So um, here's the thing. When you try and do things for someone who just tell, you know, I remember him, I remember this one guy telling me, um, you don't have to do anything for me. It's okay. Just you look tired, sit down. Let me, let's just sit down and you've just finished work. Have a glass of wine. Just let me take care of you. And it blew my mind. And this is a man who was so, and it, it, he was so masculine, but he saw his masculine energy as being protective and taking care of me. So he's, you know, ex-military, big guy, um, very masculine physically, very masculine energetically, but also because he's so sure and secure in his masculinity, he wasn't threatened by being gentle or playful or vulnerable. Now, this is something that European men have got down pat that American men are pretty good with. Uh, the rest of the world's catching up. <laughs> so, and, but I've just watched an English friend go through this where he had some, uh, a life crisis in his 30s and, you know, his relationship just was, a desire, uh, everything crumbled at once, relationship, work, where he was living, everything crumbled at once. And as he sort of, he had, he said, oh, wow, you know, he said, I'm having my midlife crisis 10 years early, but it broke him open. It made him more vulnerable. It made him question what's important to him. It made him really appreciate the people who were there for him. And it was really beautiful seeing him being so raw and so real, but also he said that what he appreciated so much was his friends listened as he processed, as he worked through it, as he worked out his own answers. 
you know, like some friends he went out drinking with to chat, some friends he wanted distraction, and some people he just wanted to to talk and process things through. And, you, you know, he, he worked through this, you know, and it was a, not a fun time for him, but a really powerful lesson for him to learn because most people don't get that until they go through a divorce. Most people, sadly in our society, we tend to learn things the hard way. So, um, and, you know, kudos to my friends who have actually taken advice and been able to hear it and been willing to hear it because a lot of the time our friends see us going through the same patterns over and over again and don't want to hear it. You know, it was amazing that Holly said you know, her relationship, because the anger being around the person playing the victim and her trying to fix it and the anger was so toxic around her children. Sadly, most rescuers don't value how their own well-being and how and don't set boundaries around how people treat them but once she saw this guy just doing rage and her children being afraid of him that was the breaking point for her that was her gutter moment where she just went this has to change I have to break this cycle and yet I've watched another friend last year go through a really toxic relationship and this time it was a woman being toxic and the woman was doing rage tantrums and and venom and also emotionally withholding and I mentioned it and she did not want to hear it at all she was just completely 100% I do not want to hear this how dare you and was really angry now to be fair if we'll call this the toxic girlfriend will call the toxic girlfriend banana so let's say I said banana has purple hair my friend would have gone no way not that's ridiculous blah blah you don't know what you're talking about wouldn't have been an issue it would have just sounded like I was saying something weird but because I said hey your girlfriend banana has this pattern of behavior that's like da 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 and my friend lost it my friend was like no way how dare you you're you're just making this up you're seeing something's not there do you know what though a few months later my friend actually went yeah true I just refused I just didn't want to deal with it I was trying so hard to make the relationship work I didn't want to hear it and it takes a really amazing it's a really strong person who can actually admit yeah, and I knew at the time, I knew my friend was getting angry because they didn't want to see it. I knew me pointing out the abusive behavior, the emotionally abusive behavior was bothering my friend because they were trying so hard to make it work and to play the rescuer and to try and fix this girl that they just didn't want to deal with the reality of how you can never make it work with a partner who was always trying to destroy the relationship. You can never fix someone who wants to play the victim you can never make it work with someone who thinks they're unlovable and so will always sabotage I mean this person broke up with my friend six times in two months and my friend would keep taking them back and every time oh well she's going to change and she's just going through something and she by the way she was an addict so um, the addict can sometimes be in a space where they're having a relationship with their addiction and they'll lie and steal and, and avoid. And, and also addiction comes with, usually is preceded by a huge amount of trauma. So, you know, they say the gateway drug isn't marijuana, the gateway drug to addiction is trauma. And in this case, the addiction was the only coping mechanism that they had to deal with the trauma or to avoid dealing with the trauma in this case. And then my friend made the girlfriend give up and go sober and go clean 
And so suddenly they had a partner who didn't have a way to avoid dealing with all the trauma and the pain and didn't have coping mechanisms in place. And so it was a whole catastrophe. And we, we mean well when we want to help friends get clean, but you can't just take away the crutch and then expect them to walk. You've got to give them a, uh, another way, strategy, support, healing, so that they don't need the crutch. You can't just say, oh, the crutch is bad. You should be able to walk. <laughs> take away their way of the reason they need the crutch, right? So it has to go hand in hand. Um, but, and, you know, look, it, it's a whole thing. However, as I said to my friend, be friends with this person. Don't try and date them while they're not well. Because this person really needs a friend. But, you know, relationships and emotions and feelings are not common sense. In the case of my friend, my friend didn't want to hear common sense about the relationship. And we don't often have common sense about it. This is why we're supposed to introduce our friends to new partners because our friends can see stuff that we can't see, especially if it's the same pattern. And the reason is so our friends can go, okay, I saw it. Oh, you don't want to hear it? Okay, well, in three or six months when it ends badly, I'll take you out drinking and I'll say, I told you so. I know you didn't want to hear it, but you know, next time you do this, I'm going to point it out again. <laughs> and they're like, okay, whatever. But it's, um, and oh, it's, it's been a whole mess because this friend got angry with everyone for pointing it out. And she would tell, we would be out and the friend would be raving about the girlfriend. Oh my God, this girl's amazing. And we'd all be sitting there, you know, while she was telling the waiter how amazing this, this person was, and we will be sitting there going, we've gone through all the abuse, the, uh, the abusive texts, we've, we've seen all of the toxic stuff. You know, I know you just, honey, you know, please see it, please see it, please stop trying so hard to help someone. And the conversation when they, uh, two months after they broke up, the conversation was that, what I felt like my friend was doing was giving all the love and kindness that they wished they'd had when they were going through their darkest time in their life. And it was literally, a, I want to be there for this girl because no one was there for me. And my friend had never seen that. My friend had never seen that all the love they were giving to this girl was because they didn't have someone there for them. And so you know, uh, over New Year's, when we all wrote down our intentions for the new year, one of the things was to give, that, that my friend wrote, was to give themselves the same kindness. Um, also writing down, you know, not settling for crumbs, seeing the red flags, um, just listening to your, your intuition about something. And if, if somebody else points out something about a person, it's only going to bother you if there's some truth to it. And if you you know, like, because honestly, I know I'm harping on this, but really, <laughs> the, um, yeah, this pattern of fix them or fuck them. Mind you, if you just want to play a rescuer and you want to have that dynamic of playing the rescuer so you can pretend to be the hero and then they'll give you love until until it unravels, um, go for it. But in the long run, it's not. The, the reason people play the rescuer is to get love and it actually gets some anger and rage and resentment. 
So if you want love, pick somebody who is capable of giving you love. Pick someone who is loving. Pick someone whose friends will say, I really love this person because that person's capable of giving love. Pick someone who's capable of loving you back because the analogy I used to use with this friend was it's like you keep going to an empty well and complaining there's no water. You know, you're like, there's no water. Yep, because this person is just not capable of giving anything back. And even if they got clean on their addiction, I look at the pattern in this person's life, both before and after and during the addiction. The the girlfriend had no quality friendships totally wrapped up in themselves. There are a whole lot of other issues. It doesn't mean that addicts don't deserve love. I want to be really clear. It just means that you can't expect them to be something they're not, which is true of all of us. And that gets back to that fix them or fuck them. If you're trying to fix someone, you're saying that they're broken and not lovable as they are. And really, really, even if someone's in a dark place, all we really want, all we yearn for is to be told we're lovable exactly as we are. 